With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hmm? Ah! Hmm. Come on, Nick. Hold on. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Lucy. And I'm Rima. And this is The Walking Dead cast, episode 307. Rima, how are you? I am great. How are you, Lucy? I am good. I feel we should explain to listeners that unfortunately yes. uh, Jason went outside and looked at some flowers <laughs> and we've not seen him since, so we're just really not sure what's happening. So we decided to just record ourselves this week. Yeah, we're just going to take over and do our thing and hopefully Jason wakes up uh, from that field of flowers. Exactly. I mean, we, <laughs> we don't know what will happen, but that's the hope. But um, in all seriousness, Jason is unfortunately sick this week. So we love you, Jason. Feel better soon. Don't look at any flowers. Yeah, don't look at the flowers and get well soon. Everyone send him <laughs> some get well vibes. Uh, he feels better. Absolutely. I think the whole family are out. So yeah, very much good vibes to them. Right, without much further ado then, I think we'll get started with our top five highlights for Fear the Walking Dead, Season 4, Episode 3, Good Out Here. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2... (laughs) 
I'm not going to be able to put together a coherent thought just listening to your lovely accent, by the way. Just so you know, I'm going to be completely <laughs> hypnotized. I'm just going to sit here and you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to be like, what? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> Thank you. That's very sweet. Um, I've just been in London, so they all talk like Londoners. So it's been it's quite nice to be back up in Scotland today with my own people. Um, so Rima, <laughs> can I ask you, what was your number five for this week's episode? Yeah, so my number five, gosh, this so much to dive into in this episode I feel um but my top five I'm gonna start off with Althea uh she, I really love mm. her character and you know we we kind of picked up where we left off last week where Nick and and or I'm sorry probably not last week but where we left off where uh Nick and Alicia and Strand had kind of taken over the situation and they're all tied up in the back of her. She keeps calling it like a van. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that dude, that thing is not a van. <laughs> yeah, that's a tank, girl. <laughs> I'm like, that is like the most badass van I have ever seen. Um, but anyway, she keeps calling it a van. So they're all tied up. And I really like that she uses what she wants, which is people's stories. You know, she's using it here as a distraction, you know, so she can, I think a couple things are coming out of that. So she can use it um, as an opportunity where she's freeing herself from that zip tie we don't know mm -hmm. she's doing it at the time but you we realized that is what she was doing um yeah. but also and and i think also as a way to kind of talk nick and the group down like trying to reason mm -hmm. with them you know because she's like you know you don't have to do this we can work together we're on the same side um you know we're, we're, we're all breathing here so that means we're on the same side so i really like how she just goes straight for it she's not just going to sit there and let this play out the way they want it to she's looking to take that control back mm -hmm. um for the situation so i really really like her and i really like her character i like what she's doing i like that she gathers these stories um you know it reminds me a little bit of what dina was doing in the walking dead you know when she yeah. all came to alexandria and she was video you know taking video of everyone and just asking them about themselves what did you do before and everyone thought it was just a waste of time what are you you know why are you doing this but I really like it. I think, you know, there's it's whether or not there's anyone left to to view these stories. I think it's kind of important to still capture it. You know, what Absolutely. happened to you and, and the truth of what happened. I mean, we don't know really how everything went down as far as and we've gotten tidbits over the years of how the Jose started and stuff. But we don't know too much and what it was like for folks. And I think it was interesting to hear the stories. But um, I think she's a badass and I really like how she's out on her own. She doesn't seem to be too afraid of anything. And um, so I really like her. So that's that's my number five is Althea. I'm really digging I, her character. I think that's a great number five. Um, my notes on Althea are pretty similar this week. I enjoyed very much her dynamic with Strand because I, when she was talking to the original gang at the start, she actually reminded me slightly of Strand in that she's got a little bit of swagger and a little bit of smooth talking yeah. in a way that he has shown in previous scenarios in the show i think that she her attachment to the van as she calls it is quite interesting because obviously there are material things in there that she's really concerned about and we've got this hook now of what the bog is mm -hmm. and what all those tapes are which is an interesting story device there i enjoyed how pissed off she was after they crashed the van i thought her face yes. was quite funny when the strand says we and she's like yes we <laughs> but yeah well, you did crash the van she it seems genuinely concerned about morgan as well i thought it was sweet that she checked that he would still be there when we got back mm -hmm. and actually i wanted to ask you what is it that she's fighting with it looks like some kind of 
Olympic torch thing, or is it just a piece of metal that's been bent? Or yeah, that's I was confused as well, and, and you know I was thinking of that earlier when you saw her take it and and, and like smash it into one of the one of the walkers' heads, and because I was like, mm-hmm. what is that? Yeah, it looks like some 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 piece of metal that has. I don't know if it's come off of her her vehicle. It didn't look like it was originally a weapon. It looks like it was some no. piece of metal that she's kind of, you know, made into and fashioned into some sort of weapon or something. A kind um, of cylinder torch thing. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure when I saw it. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't either. I was like, I did not get a clear picture of that at all and was not quite sure. So I don't know if that will, you know, maybe we'll find out later in, in another scene or another episode or something to come. But I because th- I, I, I think... We're we're learning other people's stories, or at least tidbits of other people's stories. But I'm really interested to hear hers. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Hers. We need some flashbacks of her. We really do. I feel I felt that this episode, I was like, she's the person we know the least about here, apart from maybe Luciana. But that's kind of more bad storytelling than um, <laughs> to do with the kind of way the show is structured. I thought her dynamic with Strand was great. Um, mm-hmm. The way he said to her, "All it needs is our story," in this really scathing way, and she held herself up. To that and managed to come back at him and I enjoyed the idea that the truth matters even if it's just heard out loud it's mm-hmm. almost this idea of like confessing or recording something and you see that reflected with John um, Dory as well he just wants to talk he just wants to tell his story because he's gone so long without talking to people yeah um I thought Alicia's I have no idea why she's alive was very funny and quite dryly <laughs> delivered. And I think Al's general moodiness is is great. She's got attitude. She's not out there to be nice. She's out there to get what she wants, but she manages to do it in quite a charming way. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that is, that is good. I wonder what the chemistry is going to be like with her and Alicia. I feel like they're quite similar in some ways as well. So I'm intrigued to see how that plays out a little bit. I agree. I agree. And I think uh, a lot of um, Althea's character is, is I mean, she was a journalist in her previous life. We know that much about her anyway, that she was a journalist. So I think that, you know, it takes a special kind of person to be a journalist. I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. type of journalist, but I bet it was, I bet she went after some hard stories. I bet she was the type that kind of went, you know, wasn't afraid to dig deep and, and, and push to get what she wanted as a journalist in, you know, prior to the ZA. Cause it, she just seems to have that strength within that. She's not afraid to go after what she wants. And she's, clearly has you know something within her to because it looks like she's been out on her own and Mm -hmm. i i think however she acquired her van as she calls it was not just something she happened to come upon i bet there was a struggle for that and i'm interested you know to to hear that story play out i think so i've just realized as you were saying that i can imagine her being like a war correspondent someone who goes into Mm -hmm. far-flung countries and investigates situations on the ground so I wonder if that's what she was or if it's going to be something funny like she wrote for the local paper but it was her dream to be a war correspondent or something and she's been given this opportunity but either way she's determined and she's good at it and that's really important well that would make perfect sense because she's she's pretty capable in this world Uh uh-huh you know she she doesn't doesn't seem too afraid she seems pretty comfortable with weapons driving this big you know, SWAT van and, um, you know, so I, I, that would not surprise me at all to, because I mean, if you can handle being in some type of war zone and, and being a correspondent in that type of, type of area and that kind of environment, what's, what's the zombie apocalypse, you know? 
Exactly. <laughs> it's funny what you say about driving. I think I've got a note that Luciana driving. I was like, I pick <gasps> up a rental car and I immediately like stall it, cannot drive it. And she's like in this tra- truck, just like, yeah, I can drive this SWAT van. No problem. I'm like, oh. <laughs> exactly. I know. I have a note about that too. That's so hilarious that you have one too. I've got a note about that. A little bit of a different type of note, but um, yeah. a note nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> I do have another one about backseat driving, which is... <laughs> So I've just realized that Jason is going to absolutely be throwing his hands up in frustration because we didn't actually talk about what we thought of the episode overall. I completely jumped the gun there. Um, I think that's okay. Generally, (laughs) did you enjoy it? How did you find it? You know, I, I... I'm enjoying season four so far. You know, I really got a kick out of season three. Thought it was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm really liking what they're doing. They've ma- made a little bit of a subtle switch, I think, with with like this, this general type of old Western type theme that we're kind of getting from this this season. It's kind of gritty. It's got some great storytelling. I'm loving the new characters. I always get fearful every time we get new characters, whether it's fear or mm-hmm. if it's in The Walking Dead. I'm always kind of like, oh, hell. You know, uh, am yeah. I gonna like these folks? Are they gonna are they gonna be good characters? Am I gonna like them? Am I gonna be invested? And so far, I'm really invested in in the new characters. So I love the mix of you know the the new, the old. I like. I'm so far okay with the Morgan crossover. I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about mm-hmm. it, but I love it so far. And this episode, I thought was 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 pretty good, despite the fact of what happens in this episode. Um, it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I am. Um- I'm on the same page as you. I completely agree with what you said there. My only real gripe this week was that because it's not airing on a mainstream channel in mm-hmm. the UK, they were very free and easy with spoilers over here. Oh, so no. I usually don't mind a spoiler. In fact, I've been known to seek them out in my time. But one search for Fear the Walking Dead on Monday morning and it was immediately <gasps> evident what had happened. So oh, no. I felt a little let down by that i like you know if i'm going to be spoiled i want to be spoiled on my own terms so that was slightly disappointing and i imagine there's some uk readers out there who uk listeners and readers out there who might be feeling similarly so i feel you i guess on that note i can segue this into number five for me which was nick um our nick he's he Mm. is no more he has ceased to be what 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 a shock It really was, like, absolutely was. It is a brave move for the show. Mm -hmm. And I know this will probably be covered in the news. It didn't surprise me that it was Frank Delane's choice to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, I think often in The Walking Dead, we don't really have a lot of actors in that kind of late teens, early 20s role that we've got with Alicia and Luciana and Nick. And I think it's logical that at that point in your career, you don't want to be tied down to something that mm-hmm. long term. And Frank Delane's done some, he's done some, I think, independent films. He's done various bits and pieces. He was famously Voldemort in Half-Blood Prince. Um, right. Yeah, right. Um, so in that sense, I think it's natural that he would want to leave. And I think the weirdest bit that I was discussing with, with Peter today was this isn't the last we'll see of him. So it's a strange situation where we know we will see where he was before this, Mm -hmm. but we know that he dies. And that's an interesting position to be in as viewers of the show. I thought his performance was outstanding as ever. And I loved that there were 
callbacks to things like the pilot there, the way he was running with that hammer was really similar to that first shot in the pilot of him running onto that street in Los Angeles. Right, when the ZA happened, yeah. Yeah, and it was used as... I believe that was the promotional teaser, or it was one of them, was him running like that. And I was looking at him thinking, you know, he does look older, he does look... It does look like the time has passed in the zombie apocalypse's character. Even in those movements, you could see the change. I thought it was very sad that it was Charlie that shot him. I, yeah. I'm intrigued to see where all this is coming from. And I do think... My opinion is that the showrunners, the director, is leading us up the path of believing that this point that Madison has been killed... Because to mm. me, that's the explanation for why Nick would be so angry. I I don't know. I can see them pulling the rug out from under us and having her be alive and they've all thought she's dead or having her be a prison, something different. Mm-hmm. But the way this episode played, it, it seemed to hint strongly that Madison had been killed or something had happened. And I thought what we saw between him and the vulture who was antagonising him, whose name I meant to look up and didn't, the brother of the guy we met last week. Mm -hmm. I think his name is Ennis. Ennis. I think I came across Uh, it somewhere. Ennis the penis. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He he was playing mind games with Nick in a really emasculating way. He was really honing in on the alpha male you can't provide for your family, you can't provide for your women kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was very, very brutal as a tactic to get into Nick's head. However, what we saw, the brief bit that we did see, it does lead you to think there must have been a lot more going on in the time that we've not seen to warrant the kind of death that Nick gave him, which was, I think, one of the most brutal deaths we've seen on either show. I mean, that was quite intense. Yes, yeah, um, so that was, for me, it was Nick, it was goodbye Nick, and I'm sad to see him go, but I'm happy that it's on his terms, and I hope mm-hmm. that we get to see a bit more of him on screen before the before the season ends. I think Nick will always be our way into the show. To me, he was always the strongest character with the most depth, and it will. it, it is sad to see him lie down in the grass with lovely flowers. <gasps> I know. <laughs> How did you feel about it? Uh, how did you feel about Nick's episode? <laughs> yeah, it was so interesting. I certainly wasn't expecting it coming into this episode. It's not uncommon for Nick to be the one to like to start out the episode because we started with Nick and, and for him mm-hmm. to be a central figure during an episode. So it wasn't like there was anything. Because sometimes if you're watching The Walking Dead, sometimes you get the feel like, oh, this character, they're a goner. Um, yeah. You know, you can almost kind of see it coming sometimes. And I did not expect it this time around at all. Um, while I do somewhat like Nick's character, I'm not really that big of a, a Nick fan. I'll say it. I know he is a That's fan fine. favorite. He, I know he's a fan favorite and I'm totally respectful of that. So, I, I mean, I d- definitely don't dog him in any way. It just, it, he's not the one that I really feel a huge connection to, but I do like his character. I do feel that I, I was able to relate to him in, in some form with his character because he's he has like, he's got that damaged soul. 
um, that I feel like I can really relate to, but I just never, um, he was never my favorite. So maybe, you know, while I I felt sad for his law, I did feel sad. I mean, when he, the way that they, they played this whole, his whole death with him, he, you know, he's sitting there and he's looking at that blue bonnet sitting on that porch of that house. And then you, you hear the gunshot and you see him kind of flinch. He doesn't quite jump back or anything like with the force. He just, uh, the force of a bullet of being shot, he just kind of flinches and, and you're like, well, because I, I remember sitting there thinking, going, did he get shot? Or, or is that just, is he just kind of flinching from hearing again because it's quiet and he wasn't expecting it or something? And then, you know, and then you see him, you know, feel and, and the blood come away. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I thought, okay, but he's not going to die. You know, I mean, come <laughs> right. on, it's, it's Nick. He's, it's a flesh wound, right? It's in his mm-hmm. arm or, you know, kind of off to the side where it's just hit the meat and not like anything important. Um, but then no, he dies. And, you know, it, it was it was awful. It was sad. I really felt bad for Alicia and and, Luci- and Luciana. Um, I thought, you know, that how horrible for them, how horrible for Madison, if she's still alive. I'm with you. I don't quite know what to think about that yet and what, what's happening there um, and why she's not there. But um, I, I felt horrible for all the people around him that had to witness that. I you know, but I think in a way, the way that they shot it, it was a violent death, but it was shot kind of beautifully. It's like, I think that he was kind of at peace. You know, he, he's he's lying there and he, he dies and you see his eyes, you, you kind of get that, you know, the camera's panning just right above him. And, you know, he you see him kind of um, just kind of go away as he as he's dying. And then all of a sudden you get cut to the scene of him in the field of the blue bonnets where he wakes up. And I think that that was a good reminder for us uh, that Nick, you know, he's dead now, but I think we're still going to see him in the flashbacks, right? I like that reading of it. I really do. I think that's, I think the cinematography of the way they shot the death was really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, it was so violent. And the the blood coming out of originally the vulture guy's mouth and then out of Nick's mouth, he's it really got me to see him writhing on the ground just gasping like mm-hmm. a goldfish um, with his family or what's left of his apocalypse family around him. It was very brutal and Frank Delane has always been, I'm going to coin a Lucyism here that I used a lot in <laughs> Deadcast last year which is uh, he's a good face and eye actor <laughs> which to yes. me means much like Andrew Lincoln he can express a lot without saying anything. Yes. And that's something that The Walking Dead's been really blessed with, with actresses like Melissa McBride, actresses like Andy Lincoln, and I think Frank Delane carries that really well. Mm-hmm. And the, the kind of growing horror of realising that he had been shot, feeling the blood, seeing it on his fingertips, it was it was powerful and, and really quite upsetting, I think, as a death scene. And uh, kudos to Alicia Deb... Alicia? Alicia Debnam Carey, because she knocked out of the park with her acting response to that, I think. I mean, all three of them did. I think they played three different responses to death very well. I think Strand played kind of quiet shock. Luciana was, again, sort of a kind of quiet shock, but almost she was the first one to realise, I think, that he'd kind of gone. She took that step back. And Alicia, this kind of panicked just frantic mm-hmm. trying to keep her brother with her keep him there not unlike i think someone on the it was either on the zed heads group or on an online forum pointed out that it's not unlike the scene in season one i think episode three where nick prevents alicia from going out to see 
a friend or a boyfriend um, because he's having some kind of fit as part of his withdrawal from the drugs that he's been taking. And she looks after him at that point and it mirrored that, which I thought was just really harrowing. Um, I just, my notes regarding Nick here are just that he really, something about that particular guy sends him absolutely feral. And I'm really intrigued to see what has happened up to this point to cause that. Right, I'm with you. I I mean, I get that we saw at least what we know so far in the flashbacks that they're still surrounding that field. They have found a food source before they got to it. They're clearly not going to share that with them. And mm-hmm. they, you know, and, and I think he's feeling, you know, he's, that guy's definitely pushing his buttons for sure. Like you said, he's, yeah. he's throwing out the, well, at least I can feed my family thing because, and I, and I think Nick really feels that too because he he really was kind of taking charge there at least at that part. I think he was the one of the main ones responsible for the crops and maintaining and then seeing how he's having to cut them down and burn them all and that yeah. he feels really responsible for that. So it's clearly a, a hot button for him. And but I thought you know that that doesn't quite warrant why he's out for this guy's death why he's after him so hard so i'm with you there there has to be something more to this story and what happens um mm-hmm. and you know i don't know how long it'll take us to get there but something had to really happen and, and again i don't think it can be anything good because i thought no. that it's more than just you know i don't like you i hate you you're pissing me off kind of thing this something really bad had to happen for him to be out for blood like that absolutely so for sure um so that's our Nick gone for Nick. until next week when we'll probably see him again in a flashback. But yeah, there we are. Um, how about number four for so you? So number four for me was um, Morgan. I <sighs> Morgan is he, gosh, him. he's just always been one of my favorites from The Walking Dead, as is almost everyone over there on that show. Um, you know, Morgan. Mm-hmm. I've I've been a huge fan fan girl of Morgan for a long time. I love his character, so I'm glad that you know he he didn't get killed off in The Walking Dead. That we still get to see him in some capacity. Um, yeah, over here on Fear. So I'm happy for that. He he really is. I just I'm not always happy with some of how they play out his character. Sometimes going the back and forth on the mm-hmm. you know I'm out to kill everyone. Oh well, now life is precious and kind of back and forth a little bit. But I still love him because I think Lenny James is fantastic. Oh, um, he is. But I like, you know, he's just so calm. You know, he tells Nick, he's like, you know, he's like, he's not worried. I love that. He's like, I'm not worried. (laughs) (laughs) That's Morgan. He's not worried. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. just like his his motto now is he's not worried Um, because he's definitely not worried about Nick overtaking him. And I really um, thought it was funny to see Nick's face in the dirt. (laughs) Oh, it was hilarious. Just that little kind of it was almost a father son sort of moment where the kid's like, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. And the dad's like, no, you're not. No, not. <laughs> you're really not. Just, no, I'm just gonna trip you up. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it was just. I mean, and that just shows Len, uh, Lenny James's um, ease and skill that he's really built with his stick, you know, and mm-hmm. and his discipline that he's gotten so good with it. I mean, it's just it's so seamless now when when he uses that, and it was just you know so well done, and 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 that little scene between them was really great. Um, uh, I really liked Nick offering that peanut butter protein bar to Morgan. And I want I want to get your your thoughts on this because I was watching that and it reminded me. Do you uh-huh. remember in Clear when uh-huh. <laughs> when Michonne was eating all of Morgan's snacks and Rick's looking at her like, "Really? You're going to eat his food?" And she's like, "Well, you know, he said Matt said you know, welcome." <laughs> yeah, he said welcome. And um so 
I remember later on after Morgan had joined up with them in Alexandria, and it wasn't like the very mm-hmm. first because clearly uh, Rick is, you know, pounding away on a porch stick and he's covered yeah. in blood and that was not the best meeting between them. But later on after things had settled and he's with, uh, Morgan is with uh, Rick and Michonne and he, they're just kind of casually talking and he asks Rick and Michonne, uh, you know, they're just chatting and he asks, he's like, did, did, when do y'all eat one of my protein bars? And um, and I could have swore I, he mentioned it was a peanut butter protein bar. <laughs> it absolutely was. I'm so glad you picked up on that as well. I actually went on YouTube just before we hooked up on Skype there okay. to double check. I wanted um, to check and I ran out of time. So it it absolutely is. I'm the way I'm recording. I can't play it. But if you YouTube. Michonne did you eat my protein bar <laughs> then you get the scene um, and Rick does tell Morgan that later in episode 615 I think before okay. he I think it's when Morgan kind of goes off to the kingdom okay and I, I think Rick thinks he might not see Morgan again so he does I think it's just a throwaway line he's like yeah she did eat that yeah okay good I'm glad I'm, I feel validated because I, I didn't I didn't I ran out of time so as I was taking my notes and and before we had started here um, that I thought oh gosh I really wish I could go dig that up and and verify with that but I, I knew you would know so I knew if I asked uh, I knew I was like Lucy's gonna was know gonna she's, ask you she's well. gonna validate me so I'm glad you you came through for me because I thought well, how how awesome that they kind of bring that in a little bit to kind of bring the walking dead and fear the walking dead together it's not just about the crossover itself with with lenny james they're kind of bringing that in a little bit i thought that was adorable when he's like do you like peanut butter and morgan kind of puts his head down like yeah i like peanut butter (laughs) you know and it's the kind of thing in life that you have you know certain things remind you of certain places and people and it's mundane things Mm -hmm. like would you like this particular kind of coffee or this particular meal and it makes you think of other experiences you've had with that i've um I've just gone back to Google just to look because I did Google the protein bar thing. There are a surprising number of Reddit threads devoted to the protein bar, so you can really go, you can go deep on Reddit with Morgan's protein bar. So um, wow, yeah, it's it's quite interesting. But I did I thought that was a lovely callback as well. It was okay. just a nice nod, absolutely. Good. Then that totally validates me. I feel so much so much better about that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, just I love that little callback. I love just Morgan in general, and I, I I feel like he's kind of like in 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 that in between phase. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen to him now after what's happened with Nick and how that's going to affect him moving forward. Is he going to stay in the same place? Is he going to find a balance? I feel like he keeps mm-hmm. going from one extreme to another. He hasn't quite found that balance yet. Absolutely. You know. Um, so I'm I'm just I'm curious what's going to happen. What do you think will happen? I Morgan. Love that you've said Morgan because I really did want to talk about him and Nick together. First of all, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that relationship that they built in that small period of time. Mm-hmm. And it's very bittersweet because I know a lot of people were saying, I'm really looking forward to seeing Nick and Morgan together. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> it was it was brief but lovely. I, I was thinking about what you were saying about Morgan swinging from extreme to extreme and I think that's completely valid. Um, I think the things we've seen of him before have been that kind of swinging back and forth. In a weird way, I thought this episode was the most balanced we'd seen him in a while. Mm -hmm. I think partly because we saw his struggle with it. We saw him almost, you could almost see him thinking about what he was doing and pulling himself back from doing certain things. Like he couldn't resist doing that psychological thing with Nick and cutting him free and allowing him to 
have a bit of space and explore while he um, practised his drills with his stick. But he does pull back when Nick starts to push him on, mm. you know, of course you've killed people, of course this has happened. But then he turns around again and comes back and opens up to Nick and tells him, this is what I've lost, this is what has happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Morgan, that we saw at the end of season eight, would have been able to do that. Whereas this Morgan, he seems to be finding a slightly more even keel. I think Jason and I spoke in episode one about having the Morganometer, where like zero <laughs> is pilot Morgan and ten is clear. And I would say that this was a good, I'd say a three. <laughs> so yeah. we're definitely at the lower end of the spectrum here. Um, I think Lenny James carries every scene he's in with wonderful, just gravity. I think he's such a fantastic actor. Yes. And in this episode, yeah, he played it in a really a really believable and sort of honest way mm-hmm. in how he interacted with Nick and what he tried to get through to him. And I found it very powerful that even when Nick had killed the had killed Ennis, Morgan told him he could still come back from that. And that to me was really important because you could see that Nick thought he couldn't. Mm-hmm. And Morgan thinking that is really quite important that's the kind of thing sometimes a kid night a kid like nick needs is for someone to have faith in him and say you can come back from that and the way that morgan says you know we can talk about anything nick is really lovely and supportive i know (sighs) i loved that little exchange there when he's giving him his book what was it the art of peace is that what that's called yes um it's such good product placement for that book. I wonder if sales have gone up. <laughs> I know. I thought I thought the same, but it was, and that's why you were just so hopeful, or I know I mm-hmm. was. You know, you thought, oh, something's really going to come out of this. That you know, Nick is going to be okay, and you know, because yeah. you can obviously see him struggling with some things. You know, he's talking to Madison about, you know, feeling like he's suffocating when he's out in 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 the world and out outside of the fence, and how he feels better being. He feels less like a prisoner being behind the wall than what he does out um, and, and mm-hmm. what it does to you and you know you really felt like Morgan would be the one to to help him and that's I'm like you I was really looking forward to what this exchange was going to be like and how it was going to be moving forward and then I think that's also what makes Nick's death that much more tragic um, if, you can, if it could be even more any more tragic you know I think it made it even more tragic that you know it seemed like it might go somewhere with Morgan reaching out to him and mm-hmm. and then it was cut short, which I think is, like you said, you mentioned earlier, it was like really brave. I think that that's kind of just what happens in real life, right? I mean, yeah. it's not all, you know, fairy tales and happy endings. And unfortunately, that's kind of how the, the real world goes. And um, so it was, it was really beautifully done. I was thinking in a way about how the main show has sort of lost that edge slightly. I was thinking mm-hmm. when was the last time I was properly shocked by a death? in The Walking Dead. Oh, you and me both. And I th- I think it was probably season three in the episode where T-Dog dies, Laurie and, and dies, Laurie. Yep. and we think that Carol might be dead. And that narratively worked because it felt so abrupt and so unwarranted and so sudden. Mm-hmm. Because and Rick and Laurie had all this unfinished business. Yeah, and T-Dog really them. just went to save carol you know Mm -hmm. his death was really i mean obviously that paid off dividends for um 
Melissa McBride and for Carol as a character. Mm -hmm. But it was that was probably the last time where I've been truly shocked. And I don't know if that's spoiler culture or if it's the way the narrative's been building and the way they signpost these things. But for the fear to, to make that step and have a death like this early in the season, I think was a good, I, I hope a good choice. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're solely watching for uh, Nick, which maybe some people are, <laughs> at least you're still going to get some flashback Nick for a while. So that will be good. Right. Yep. I don't know how much more we will get, but I'm, I'm, I feel like that's a good, you know, where they've built up with these flashbacks and then also the way they ended it, I feel was a little bit of a flash of hope that, well, yes, we know here in this timeline he is gone, but we still have him for a little while in this <coughs> one, at least until that, at least until that part of the, the, the flashbacks play out. We know that there's going to be, I don't know how much time has passed between what we were seeing in that timeline versus where we are now, yeah. but so I don't know we- how much we're going to get, but we, I think we still have him just for a little bit. I have faith anyway. Absolutely. And I would like to see what happens immediately after the dam. I know that's kind of going back over old ground now, but I would like to see how they find each other and how mm-hmm. that comes to pass. That's I wonder true. If we're just, yeah, I wonder if we're just going to hear that via an interview. Like Alicia's going to explain or Luciana will explain um, to Althea. But I would like to know. It's it's What was it? And Abraham says, loose ends make my balls itch. Well... <laughs> I'm female, so that's not so much of an issue, but, you know, it, it, I appreciate the sentiment. Right. The um, uh, uh, proverbial balls. So we'll the just proverbials. Say. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say, okay. say that instead of... Um, <laughs> the proverbials. Since we don't actually have any. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you because... And that's true. We might still see him in... An, because we did see Nick himself in, in a flashback within a flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of the dam and what happened I don't know if we'll go back to that exactly. again but maybe it's possible we'll also see not just the flashback of, of this period of time where they're at the, the baseball field and this time but also the flashbacks of what happened after the dam so absolutely. who knows we still, yeah absolutely I think that would be really interesting mm-hmm. I my number four is just a little one it's just the role of flowers and the walking dead <laughs> and the fact that <laughs> Yep. Flowers are now quite sinister when I see them. I don't stop and look at them for too long and they almost always signify some kind of horrible event because you've got in the main show the Cherokee Rose and the ill-fated hunt for Sophia. Mm -hmm. You've obviously got Lizzie looking at the flowers and here we had Nick in the flowers with his mother and it was quite interesting that as Madison walked away she kind of faded into the flowers herself because of the colour of her uh, jacket mm-hmm. and the way she was kind of walking off into the distance. So again, I was thinking, oh God, Madison's dead as well, isn't she? Um, oh, I know. So the role of the flowers and the way that they kind of played that piece, uh, <sighs> that kind of theme of peace for Nick and for Madison, but also this awful kind of futility of things being cut down and things dying. Um, it's, yeah, they're an interesting symbol. I think in this show. I agree with you and I love that you bring that up because you know they're they're totally ruining flowers for me these oh these two gosh, shows so very quickly. You know, I love flowers. I do love to, you know, stick my nose in some flowers and get mm-hmm. that beautiful scent. I love to feel them and the different textures of different flowers and their leaves and 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 I appreciate the beauty that they give 
give to us in the world. I love, you know, a good landscape and, and going in, you know, to a beautiful park or something and, um, you know, seeing Absolutely. beautiful flowers. And then I'm like, you know, now I just don't even want to look at the flowers because... And you definitely don't want to turn your back on anyone. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, come on, guys, can we move on to something else now, please? Can we... <laughs> Can't look get away the, from this ominous, you know, feeling yeah, when we're looking at flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I did. La- I, was, I told Jason the other week, and um, I finally got around to watching the Robot Chicken Walking Dead special, which mm-hmm. I hadn't seen. And their pastiche of uh, Carol doing "Look at the Flowers" is just absolutely—it's so hysterical. It's basically her killing everyone in history all these really iconic deaths and at one point she like shoots old yeller and i'm like no <laughs> it's, it's, i know something bright actually does the voice and she's just like eat shit old yeller and i'm like no <laughs> so i did think of that um peter also cried out when we were watching it um because we saw the flowers at the start in the opening credits and then nick pauses to look at them and uh <laughs> Peter just goes, oh no, Carol's going to turn up and shoot him. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. But in, in theory, he is going to end up dead. So, you know, probably. Mm-hmm. So flowers ruined <sighs> forever. Flowers and no cookies. More. Flowers, yeah. cookies, just not interested anymore. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know. Golly. Yeah. That's so good. that was my number four. Good number flowers. four. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, How about three so my number three it's 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 short and sweet as well kind of like your number four but something that i really Mm kind of wanted to mention that i really appreciated that came out of this this episode and that was something good when madison was talking about you know they're they're in the truck her and nick and he's like i don't know how you keep coming out here you know and he's talking about how it just you can just really tell that it really affects him in a really negative way and he doesn't like how it Mm -hmm. makes him feel and she's trying to explain to him, you know, well, it helps me when I try to find something good about going outside. She's talking about, you know, like a, a billboard that might bring mm-hmm. a smile to her face or gives her a good feeling or an armadillo, you know, which oh, I found funny because yeah. I, I, I think they're, I love armadillos. I think they're adorable. Um, so, and I really appreciate that attitude because I feel like, you know, that's something that I can really see. Madison's one of my favorite characters on this on this um, show. So I'll just, you know, start off by saying that. I, I just almost love, I know she's really made some bad decisions and such. she's not the most mm-hmm. perfect character. She's flawed, which is why, probably why I do really like her. But I relate yeah. to her in a really big way. And so when she talks about that, I was like, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, because I try to do that myself. There's so many bad Absolutely. things that happen in, in life to you, to your family, or, or to just in general, bad things that happen in the world. And I always try to find like one positive thing, either you learn a lesson mm-hmm. from it, something beautiful about it, something, you know, I try to get something good, because otherwise, I get so bogged down by the bad that I mm-hmm. feel like I can go like Nick's way and just be like, I don't even want to read the news. I don't want to associate with people. I don't want to think about anything that's happening out in the world because it's so horrible. I can't take it. I can't take that toxicity. Um, so I, I try to keep that same attitude as like um, Madison trying to find something good. So I really, really like how she said that. And, and I kind of laugh because it, I feel like, um, you know, it's like some people choose to see the ugliness of this world. I choose to see the beauty, like Dolores from Westworld. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's why I love that line so much from Westworld. Because I'm like, exactly. You know, I try to try to find the beauty. Um, so I really like that exchange between Madison and Nick. I feel like I could really relate to that. I feel like it, 
you know, trying to have a good attitude, trying to find something good. And um, I like that that's how she is able to carry on. Because I feel like that's, that is about the only way in the zombie apocalypse. Everything's horrible. The whole world is horrible. Um, And that's the only way that you can keep going out and and facing is trying to find something good. And then, of course, you know, they end up talking about the good of the blue bonnets. You know, she's like, see, I told you there was something, you know, good out here. And Mm -hmm. so... I think that's lovely. I really enjoyed that. I was going to ask if Madison was your favourite when you yes. said earlier about <laughs> I love Madison. And it's interesting because I was on a forum, I think last week, and people were speculating about whether or not Madison was going to die. And someone mentioned, well, I mean, I know she's been really unpopular with the fans. And I'm a bit shocked to hear that because to me, she's quite a one of the highlights of the show and always has been but Mm -hmm. I think I might be in the minority on that one it seems that people find her quite irritating which surprised me um Mm -hmm. yeah no I really enjoyed that I think her calmness and her positivity were really really inspirational and I think Nick was picking up that kind of vibe from her Mm -hmm. and the way she was very dignified when the vultures were being assholes she was keen to just find a peaceful way through and keep positive where she could i admired that very much i have a horrible feeling it won't have paid off but i thought it was wonderful to see i agree and i think there was a great scene where it was a flashback shortly after the condensed milk interaction where she and nick are leaning on the bonnet of the car and he's absolutely i think distraught to think that he's upset charlie by Mm -hmm. her seeing that he threatened that um that particular vulture and Madison talking reasonably to him. And it was just quite a sweet mother-son moment that I thought paid off really well. And showed you, I think, the difference between where Nick was there, which is worried about upsetting Charlie, mm-hmm. to this sort of blind, rabid rage where he's pushing a guy onto some antlers and just absolutely murdering murdering the shit out of him. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, Good I think Madison's... <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, how can I put this delicately? Um, Don't be so, delicate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Fear the Walking Dead cast. We're not delicate here, guys. If you want delicate, maybe don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. We are not delicate little flowers here. <laughs> we are not. We do not even look at flowers on this podcast. No. Um, so, no, Madison and her positivity made me smile too. And Armadillo sounded very cute. We obviously don't have them here, but mm. um, they are, they're the ones that kind of roll up into sort of shell balls, don't they? Yes. Yeah. They're interesting cool. little creatures. I like that. That's, I mean, I pretty sure i've seen one at a zoo so i'd like to see one in uh, in real life as well well you need to just get your uh hiney over here and come to texas and <sighs> you'll see them everywhere <laughs> i'd like so are you in texas room i didn't realize this i'm not in texas i have lived in texas uh years ago um, oh, and, amazing. and they are everywhere really um, they're adorable <laughs> What do they eat? Would they survive the zombie apocalypse? Hmm, they might because they, you know, Texas is pretty dry, pretty hot. There's a lot of yeah, desert like- in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of Texas is like, well, uh, you know, hey, I'm not a geographer or anything like that. But I, almost half of Texas is desert. And yeah. so they can live in a kind of a kind of a not the most uh pristine environment i think they'd be okay i don't i don't know what they eat i am not that in that into armadillos i don't know what they eat um but i'm guessing they're probably vegetarians uh, 
friends who are armadillos, but I can speak to it. <laughs> it's I do wonder I sometimes think, you know, sometimes I do lie awake at night thinking about what happened to that beautiful golden retriever that they had at um Woodbury. I'm like, what happened to that dog? Did it die? <laughs> I you know what, look, I have just given up on having any kind of attachment to any animal in Fear of the Walking Dead and the Walking oh, Dead. They are killing me. Um, it's so awful. It, they're killing my soul. I can't hardly watch yeah. the show anymore after what they did to me this last, which I won't talk about or tell anyone in case they haven't watched. But with what happened last season in The Walking Dead, oh my word. I'm trying to remember what bit you're referring to. Um, a particular animal that was a very big, larger than life character in The Walking Dead. Oh, jeez. Oh, God, of course. Oh, no. Yes. Good. Yeah, that, right. That was yeah. very hard. No, we won't discuss that. I'm yeah. emoted now. I was saying going, the dog came back. Did I miss Not this? the dog. I'm yeah. sorry. But yeah. I was Walking <laughs> okay. Dead last season. That affected me greatly. I had some issues with that particular <laughs> moment and an episode for sure that I, you know, it anyway. was. I know exactly what but, you mean, and I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, I'm trying to just be like, you know what? Show me an animal. I'm just gonna pretend like I don't see it because you're yep. gonna get me it's attached. You're gonna, and then you're gonna break my heart and you know, uh, stomp yep. on it. If Carol ends up with a kitten next season, I'm just not even gonna think about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Henry gets a puppy. Oh no, this won't end well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just no more okay. animals, please. So for my number three, I thought I would channel Jason because Jason sometimes does a point that has a couple, a list of a few things on it. So my mm -hmm. number three is what we don't know. Um, so there are a few things in this episode that we just don't know and I'm interested to find out about because this episode really pointed towards these particular things. So what we don't know, the big one, I guess, where is Madison? Is she yes. alive? Is she not? Who knows? What the vultures did to warrant this big reaction from Nick and from Alicia. Why Alicia, Strand, Luciana and Nick are all on the road. Are they away from a base camp or are they itinerant? How? What's the deal with that? Mm -hmm. In terms of what happened, we also have the reaction of the vulture Ennis who sees Nick with genuine surprise. Yes. So that made me wonder if there's been a kind of standoff where a lot of people have died or have split up, like the prison in the middle of season four. Mm -hmm. I The last thing as well was Strand's scar on his hand. Again, another indication there that there's stuff in his backstory we're not seeing because I don't think we know why that scar's there yet, do we? No, I was wondering that myself. No, it's not something we've seen and forgotten. Mm -hmm. So a few things that were kind of interest peaked oh and of course Althea's tapes um what are they all about what are they pointing to I won't talk about each of them um I think I've kind of said all I have conjectured about the the vultures and what happened before we see them now but with Madison I'm, I'm torn because part of me thinks it would be very very effective for her to be dead and for this to be a vengeance mission. Mm -hmm. However, I'm dubious as to whether they would kill off both Madison and Nick, which right. is the kind of cynical decision maybe Fear doesn't have in the way that The Walking Dead does, but it does play on my mind. The other reason is that they established Naomi in the last episode and we haven't seen her either which for some reason leads me to think that she and Madison might be together wherever mm -hmm. they are. 
I can't see Madison being an easy hostage or an easy prisoner. So I wonder if they think she's dead, but we are going to see her again and it's going to be a surprise. Um, but that's kind of conjecture on my part. What are your thoughts about Madison and Schrodinger's Madison? Is she alive? Is she not? What do we think? My my hope is that she's alive. Whether And I like how you say it would probably be a little bit easier to think that she's dead and then here she comes because like you said, Ennis's uh, reaction to seeing Nick, he's like, oh, well, I didn't expect to see you again. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, did he think he was dead? Did they just think that they ran far away or whatever it was, the events that happened yeah. for them to be scattered out like they are right now? So I'm like you, I don't think she would make, because I did think, I was like, well, maybe she's a prisoner, but I'm like, nah, I just don't see Madison. Yeah, I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to question, like, okay, what are the possible scenarios? It, she could be dead she could be alive but maybe a prisoner because why wouldn't she be with her children right because i mean mm -hmm. she is all about being with her family and doing whatever it takes to protect her family so you know if madison has the capability to be with her family she's there so yeah i, I can't see her um you know not being around her children and i don't see her being such a great prisoner I think that maybe something happened because we saw them separated already with last season and the, when the dam happened because mm -hmm. they got separated somehow. She got swept away um, and then they were back at the dam and somehow they were able to come back together. I don't know if it's going to be a situation like that because um, mm -hmm. I just I can't believe that she's she's really dead. I mean, to me, she's like the Rick of this of, of this piece of the walking dead universe she is Absolutely. our rick and you know lover or hater you know obviously there are i guess some folks that are, you know aren't thrilled with her maybe a lot of people aren't thrilled with rick either as far as the walking dead mm -hmm. but to me she's the rick of this she's like the anchor in my opinion so far anyway unless they for sure in the future want to do whatever they do with her character and kill her off they they're gonna have to have someone else be the anchor but for me madison's the anchor i don't think she's dead but I do think that everyone believes that she's dead. They've somehow been separated or they've, you know, maybe the vultures took her, um, maybe not as prisoner. I don't know. I don't think she's dead. And of course, it would make Nick's death all the more bittersweet if he was avenging a mom who wasn't actually dead. Mm -hmm. It's quite Shakespearean, isn't it? He thinks that he's killing his enemy for something that actually hasn't happened. And they, I mean, it would make sense. He thinks that he's doing something out of honor for his mother. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, because like I said, I'm confused as to what really drove him to that point to want to kill. That yeah. extreme kind of, yeah, that extreme reaction was really quite something else. I'm glad we're on the same page. I hope we're right, but well, I because guess we'll see. Well, I mean, Nick died, so I feel like we're mm -hmm. going to have to get a reaction from Madison and see how this affects her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you say, she can't be out there not looking for her kids, not trying everything to be with them. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's crucial. It's the whole reason for her character. That was where the rift with Travis came from, was through... The realization that their families were kind of separate um and that she was always going to prioritize her own kids and mm -hmm. travis his son which didn't turn out so well for travis nope. but, um, yeah should have that, that was one of them he was too far gone should just let, yeah. let him go <laughs> he was just he was just a hazard risk you know he was. so for me that was number three was the what we don't know and what i'd like to find out
That is a really great number three. I'm with you. Those are really great questions that, you know, we're only in episode three, so we have some more to go. Um, Hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll be getting some more of those answers. And I think they're doing a beautiful job of giving us those answers. We haven't gotten too many answers, but they're doing, I think, so far a really great job with the storytelling. So I've got faith that we're going to get some good stuff moving forward. Um, Absolutely. Awesome. So my number two, my number two is Nick. You mentioned the exchange between Nick and Madison when they're outside of the church and they're kind of sitting on on the tailgate of of their vehicle. And, you know, she, you know, Madison, she's like, you know, you didn't do anything, Nick. And he says, well, I would if you hadn't stopped me. And she saw that talking about Charlie. And she says, well, you Mm -hmm. were trying to help, trying to get food for us. And he says, you try to do the right thing. You end up doing the worst. That's why I stayed inside so long. It's not because of what's out here. It's because of what being out here does to you. Being out here makes Mm -hmm. me feel more trapped than being in there. Uh, Like who I'll be is just closing in on me, just suffocating me. And I just, I thought that was beautifully done and and well-written. And I love those words. And I thought, oh, that's so true. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way about you know, we, it's like we see, but we don't really hear someone talk about what it does to you. We, we, we see the effects in, in the walking dead and in fear, both of, of, you know, when you see the group outside exposed and moving around like nomads for too long and what it does to you, it makes you like savage. Um, and Mm -hmm. Nick already has a dark side. You know, I think that's part of what played into him being an addict, you know, when we first met him and then, you know, he still has that within him. And I think he knows that he has that dark side, that damaged side and, and how it maybe affects him a little bit differently than what it would other people. And um, so I just really like that. I think that was a really beautiful bit to pick out. I think it's, yeah, it's something that I think we've seen in Morgan as well is almost Mm -hmm. the opposite that being around people is his danger zone and being on his own is is safer. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it might actually be the other way around. I think that Nick in the kind of small society of the diamond is really vulnerable and interesting but it's also like an enforced rehab it's like rehab you can't check out of mm-hmm. um, so for him as an addict and a recovering addict it probably is a situation where he'll thrive to an extent because it is you literally have no other choice um, right he can't go elsewhere and get a fix he has to focus on what he has and it seems to have brought out a side to him that is almost manic in its devotion to instead of using and abusing substances to trying to provide to trying to fulfill this role Mm -hmm. and not quite managing to do so and in his view failing and that exchange between the two of them was very honest and i thought that was really nice to see Mm -hmm. agreed well my number two i think is also quite short it's just Again, the cinematography on this episode was fantastic. There yes. were so many shots that I just thought were beautiful. Like, I, there's a Twitter account called, I think it's called One Perfect Shot, that takes like a particular screen grab from a movie of an absolutely perfect, pleasing, aesthetic shot. Mm-hmm. And there were so many in this episode with the colours and the framing and the way that the show looks now is just so delightful and I can't really do justice to it with words. Uh, you really, If you haven't already, you should really go and watch the episode, uh, <laughs> listeners. But the contrast with the desaturated colours of the present and the yellows of the past, it's just such a nice, striking way to show that change of time. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it worked back in season six of The Walking Dead when it went from colour to black and white. And that was supposed yes. to 
signify it felt too stark whereas this is a kind of subtler version of that and i enjoy it very much thank you that's the, so beautifully said i like because i'm in 100 percent agreement so thank you for for making f- making me feel valid <laughs> oh thank you there were some shots that i thought were composed in quite a funny way and i don't know if it was intentionally funny but when nick was by the way kudos to nick i would totally have snooped in that van as well oh, yeah. i think sometimes on the show we don't see enough snooping people are too well mannered oh i'm God. like no i've gone in about and find stuff I, i'm looking in your medicine cabinet i'm snooping man yeah. so i'm doing it in the za too i'm that nosy person i'm gonna be all up in your business you better have it locked up so- I mean, it's not like people have a lot of stuff. You may as well see what they do exactly. have. Um, but I loved he was watching the video and Morgan saying, you know, when I lose people, I lose myself. And then he looked and Morgan, who's obviously got this like injured gammy leg, <laughs> is like running down the hill like something out of a Benny Hill cartoon. <laughs> and I was like, to be fair, he does look kind of crazy right now <laughs> with his stick. Um, and I found that really quite entertaining. I thought the shots of Alicia running down to the van to hook it onto the tow rope were really nicely done. Um, I liked the mix between what you could see through the sniper rifle, um, what we saw from Alicia's perspective and what you see from Strand's perspective, which is, is pretty alarming. It does look like she's basically disappeared. And the final sort of confrontations in the kind of farm area with the large tower storage things, they were really well well composed. I thought that the death on the antlers, death by antlers, was brutal. Mm-hmm. But it also made me laugh slightly because we had a discussion on the Z Heads group about the vultures being the hipsters of the apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, their aesthetic is not helping them. There's a lot no. of floral trousers, there's some plaids, some kind of nice mustaches. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. I was like, you look like a dickhead. So <laughs> the fact, I don't know if it's a thing in American hipster culture as well, but over in Britain, there's this real thing about having sort of like tweed and antlers and things like that it's quite a trendy thing to have like oh i've got this ironic tweed antler creature in my living room it's uh, just something i picked up at the secondhand market so to watch a hipster literally getting impaled on some antlers um made me oh, <laughs> made me laugh a little bit sorry to all you antler owners out there i don't know if it was intentional but it was it was quite funny i don't the, know if that's a thing but that's very interesting and very ironic yes we might get lots of angry antler owner <laughs> letters next week. Like, how dare you? Like, mm. um, and the aesthetic of the blue car and the blue flowers was pretty good as well. Um, mm. I, th- I also think, I mean, I hate to give it to the hipsters, but I do think that is a beautiful car that they're uh, using to get around. I'm amazed that it's still working. Gotta love the El Camino. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and the images of blood on hands were great as well. Nick holding the, the art of peace with his, like, blood-stained hand was really yeah i like that mm-hmm. quite a lot that was a same good screen grab moment so i continue to be impressed by the cinematography on fear um for me that was number two this week oh that was just so beautifully said you said everything that i want to say about the cinematography no. <laughs> that i cannot articulate so i thank I you i remember having to oh you're welcome but it's honestly so i remember one course in university having to write about film 
like a couple of films in a literature class and I was just like I don't actually have a fucking clue how to do this so I had to go and look up all this stuff and I was like uh, yes the <laughs> of the blah, blah, blah. I was like, I have no idea. I'm just like, I think it's pretty when you see blue and not everything else is blue. <laughs> well, so you yeah. have come a long way because that was very beautifully said. Because I, <laughs> I totally agree. And I'm so with you that what really stands, stood out to me as well with this new season is that color transition that you mentioned that we see mm. between the past and the present. And I, and I liked it anyway, even before they went to that first flashback in the past and we got like more of that coloration that you see mm-hmm. I thought it was more of an effect of that this is like the new mood or feel that we have for fear this season you know we know that mm-hmm. they're I wouldn't say really going more dark or anything but you know there's this different mood this different feel it's like a western mm-hmm. and I thought oh this is a nice little effect that they're using but then as we come along in the season, I, I see that they're kind of using it to let you know where they are instead of using putting up words like before and after or then and yeah. now and things like that to, to tell you where we are in the timeline to save on confusion. They're doing this wonderful thing with color. And I think it's just beautiful. And I really love, you know, what they're doing. And, and, and you know where you're at without having to think about it. You're not as confused about what's happening and, and what time that you're in. And I do love it. Um, I love the little you know, how the color is, that color transition, it's a little bit more vibrant in the past. And it's a little bit more, it's not quite black and white. It's just the color mm-hmm. is just kind of dim, a little bit more dim. Absolutely. So I love that you said it all perfectly. And I totally 100% agree with it. They're, they're doing some beautiful things. Like you mentioned that scene with Madison and Nick uh, in the blue bonnets in the field. And, and you know, that angle of the camera and Madison kind of walking off and how she almost kind of fades a little bit. That Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I love that. Thanks. I'm just going to say thank you for that number oh. two. <laughs> thank you, Rima. I must say, Mr. Kabasi is never this nice to me. So, you know. <laughs> we love you, Jason. I hope you feel better soon. <laughs> How, who's your, who, what, or why is your number one? Well, my number one was actually Madison. And, and we covered her a lot. Uh, it was, it was, I had the same questions, you know, and we, we've already talked about her. Like, do you think she's dead? What do we think has happened to her? Why mm-hmm. is she not with Nick and Alicia? Because we know she would be if she were capable. And maybe she is like, you're right. We don't know. Are they, you know, are they all on the road because they're there is another camp somewhere have where's the rest Mm -hmm. of this group there was and the number escapes me we heard madison say the number of people is there 40 something that she was telling naomi 40 something people 46 or 7 i think yeah Yeah. it was high 40s so so what happened to all these people we we only see a a handful of them here where is madison where's the rest of these people what happened to these people Mm -hmm. did they reform another group somewhere or a camp somewhere are they still together did someone die um and then also what what's going to happen to Madison? That's why I feel like we're, we're going to have to, that's why I have this faith that Madison is alive. I don't know what has happened to her, but I can't yet believe that she's really dead. I know a lot of people are questioning that. Um, but I just, I have to feel that, it, you know, we're going to have to see how this is going to affect her. Because I feel like it's going to really do something about moving her character forward in the rest of the series. Um, what losing Nick will do to her. 
and, and you know, she's already lost mm-hmm. Travis. Uh, she handles it really well. I mean, she took Travis. I mean, she, I know she mourned in her own way. And I know, I don't know if she, I don't read a lot about like on forums and what people really think of her all that much, but I knew that there were some negative feelings towards her, but I don't read that much. So I don't know. I kind of thought when, you know, she went through Travis, I thought, well, in that kind of situation, I think she kind of handled it appropriately. It's like she had her moments where she did mourn him, but she kind of, if you want to say manned up and stepped forward mm-hmm. and kind of took charge of the situation because that's what she had to do in that moment for her and her kids and her family and to protect them. So, but I think that this is really, really going to affect her in a different kind of way. Losing a child um, is, I, I, I can't even imagine how horrible that would feel. I mean, I'm a parent and I mean, just the thought of losing my child would probably drive mm-hmm. me insane. I'd say just dope me up or something and just be done with it. Um, so I can only imagine. I feel like that's why I feel like she's alive. So I feel like we've we've talked about her a lot. I don't have too much more to say about that. Um, other than that, I think yeah. she's alive. I think that's, I think we're on the same page with Madison for sure. Um, my number one was Morgan, mm. who we've also spoken about. <laughs> so that's worked out quite neatly. I've got a couple of notes. What kind of notes have you got for this episode? I've only got a couple. One of them we kind of were talking earlier about Luciana driving off the road. And I'm just like, really? I get that it wasn't necessarily her direct actions that Nick tumbling and like moving her Mm -hmm. arm kind of made her veer off of the road like that. But it just really irked me because I feel like we've got a little little bit of a trend in the walking dead or fear of the walking dead universe here uh with that stereotype of women being bad drivers um, oh snap reem i love you <laughs> yes i was gonna say this too <laughs> i just want to say <laughs> that for for women everywhere i am a damn good driver now i'm gonna knock on wood because i just know the minute i step out my driveway or something i'm gonna run over my mailbox or something. <laughs> i feel i should also say what i said earlier about not being able to drive a rental that's not because i'm a bad driver it's, it's driving a, it's an unfamiliar a, it's a different car, car is a bit weird when you start yeah that is oh Rima, that's too far. it's so accurate though i remember watching season two and watching laurie flip that fucking car on the like emptiest road road in the whole apocalypse i was like sweetheart pull over for two seconds look at the map (laughs) no so i'm just like where where are the men bad drivers i haven't seen them show and i'm and i'm probably just totally going like on a tangent about that and i'm i'm sure there has been some footage or a scene of a of a man you know wrecking a vehicle or driving poorly but i feel like they're kind of really focusing in on the women and the way that they drive and i'm a very good driver i love to drive Mm -hmm. and i i have a really great track record and i'm just Mm -hmm. offended (laughs) by this i read like a pop culture book when I was in my teens about I think it was called something like why men don't listen and women don't read maps before I started getting really into you know my militant feminist theory but the the reason supposedly and this is probably bullshit and this is science from somebody who's not studied science since I was 14 (laughs) is that women supposedly biologically again not a doctor don't take any of this seriously (laughs) are more inclined to make safe decision so if a woman has a car accident statistically we can have more but the reason we will have more is because we're prone to hesitate because we're more careful whereas a man 
typically, again, not a doctor, can't find the book for love nor money, will make reckless decisions. So nine times out of ten, they won't have an accident. But when they do, it will be a substantial one. Whereas for a woman, it's like, oh, we'll have a little bump here and there or we'll take her on turn or do that. I know examples of both genders doing completely the opposite thing, but it drives me absolutely nuts that there is still this... Mm -hmm image of women drivers being bad. In Luciana's defence, I would say they were all being really annoying passengers and I probably would have swerved the car off the road to shut them up. Yes, she was definitely having almost like like what you see like a mom yelling at the kids in the back like what the hell yeah yes. shut up i'm trying to drive up here you know i can't i can't think straight you know and, and they know they're it's like walkers. driving <laughs> exactly driving by committee which i've done a couple of times um and much though i love my friends and my family there are some people you just cannot have as passengers yes. giving directions backseat it's drivers just the absolute worst you mentioned that earlier so yeah. i was I did feel I did feel for her at that point. Um, no, absolutely. So come on, guys. Next car crash. It has to be a dude, okay? On the show, it has to be men. Yeah, I want to see. Um, I, I just want to see some fairness. Like I said, I know there are some poor women drivers there, but there are also poor women or men drivers as well. Mm-hmm. I want to just see some equal absolutely. opportunity. You know, it's not all. I've just that just really bugged me whenever I saw that because I immediately had that flashback to Lori in season two, and it yep. just bugs the crap out of me. So, um, I, I had Absolutely. to take a moment while I had the opportunity to just bring that up. And um, let's For see. Sure. Well, <laughs> I, I remember that Daryl Dixon can't drive shift. Is that what you guys call it in America? We don't really do automatics so much over mm-hmm. here. So shift is when you like change the gears manually. He did seem to have an issue with, which surprises me growing up in the South because, and I don't mean yeah. for this to be stereotypical, but traditionally there's a lot more trucks and vehicles down in the South that are more of a ma- manual transmission is I think what it's generally called. There's probably other terms for yeah. it, but a manual transmission. I can drive a manual. So I said, I'm very ah, proud true. to say I can drive a manual. I could, I don't know how I do in your country, Lucy, with it being on the other side of the, <laughs> the like I'd be using my left hand, I guess. Um, it's weird. It's the weirdest feeling. I found when driving on opposite sides of the road, an automatic's much easier because you don't have to think about your left or right yeah. hand. Because to me, the thought of changing gears with my right hand is utterly weird. Yeah. But you know, all that said, Rima and I would totally drive a van really well in the apocalypse. Man, we'd so totally be rocking it like sorted. Althea up in that big old <laughs> swap van i'll drive that thing i'm scared to drive anything you put me in it i'll figure out how to drive it so absolutely yeah i love that uh, no i'm glad you brought that up it drove me nuts as well <laughs> i thought well and it's appropriate all female podcast today let's uh let's throw one out to the women yeah. in, in in their defense um absolutely the only other note that I had that we haven't already talked about was you mentioned earlier Althea's tapes that she had come across. Like those are very precious to her. She was worried about them. She come across them, and we saw the one you mentioned it um, that was labeled the bog. That had that contained a lot of tapes. So I'm really curious. I don't really have anything substantial, and I don't have any insight or anything. But just. I, I'm curious what that means, what happened there. Those seem to be, she was almost more worried about those than, than anything else. So I just thought that was Absolutely. of interest um, to, to know what happened there. I'm, you know, I, I hope to get more from her. We know a little, but I, I really find her interesting. So that's all the notes that I have. I'd love it if, 
thanks so much, Reema. I'd love it if there was an episode just called The Bog that dealt with that because it would be yeah. quite interesting, I think. Ooh, yes. Um, Notes-wise for me, I'm just going through. I continue to find Strand very entertaining when he's being repentant, especially when he was getting Alith- uh, <laughs> uh, getting Althea to cut his uh, zip cord and he sort of put his hands up in the sort of penitent prayer position and looked very kind of humble. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, Victor. Mm. Right, we know better, right? <laughs> We know better. We know better. I think, uh, shout out to Lara Willie Swink, I'll do the check-in for the John Dory fan club for the week. (laughs) Uh, John Dory, keeping it real, doing well. I enjoyed that he was very kind and cautious in the situations they were in. Yes. Althea was looking quite angry, getting quite vicious. Morgan kind of took the other other, uh, path of don't do anything, you know, leave them alone. Yep. John seemed to be going for the let's everybody just calm down and have a toffee kind of thing. Yes. And obviously his interaction with Luciana about why, not why she left, but if she still loved Nick when she left, was obviously so much about him and his situation. Yeah. So still waiting to find out more about Laura there. And he gave Luciana a toffee, so I think he likes I it. I think so. I think that's his like little peace offerings. Mm-hmm. And I think the other things that I have here are, I occasionally write things in capitals. One of them is Charlie, you dick, which is just, I think, a reaction to her. Oh, no, it's actually a reaction to her having the radio, um, which was definitely a dick move, Mm -hmm. but very effective. Um, I also have a wee note that the line, the truth isn't about words, it's about what really happened and what's happening now. It really reminded me of what's happened and what's going on. That was it. The Tyrese's final episode was called that, and it was sort of about being located in the reality that you're in and knowing what's going on and being engaged with it. The last that oh no, second to last, I had a note saying uh, Nick should have at least passed Morgan his stick. I thought that was really rude that he didn't do. Yes. That. Um. Yeah. I was like Rick don't be a dick. No, Nick, don't be a dick. Give him the stick. And then I laughed to myself for like <laughs> three minutes because I was like, well, that's a You're rhyme. You're so clever. Um, <laughs> uh, I know, all those rhymes. Um, and John Dory referring to Nick, I think I heard it right as being squirrely, was really cute. I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, and my final one is just Alicia looks awful. And not in a like, you know, she doesn't look hot way, just like her character looks like she's been through something. She's got manic eyes, her hair is, she just looks so different from any Alicia we've seen before mm-hmm. that I'm quite concerned about. Again, that's raising the Madison red flag for me because she looks like a woman who has lost a lot. And her reaction to Nick's death, while completely understandable, you do wonder, is there is this the last member of her family that she thinks she's lost right. now? Or is it kind of the her usual amount of shock and grief? So yeah, Alicia, I'm interested to see how she how she got to this point because she certainly seems pissed off. Mm-hmm. She seems ready to take risks and she seems like she means business, which is all something I'd like to know more about. Right, almost like she's taken over a little bit for Madison in that role. For sure, for sure. I think she and Strand, there was a moment where he looks at her as though to ask permission or to show that he thinks something is a good idea and it interested me that they seem to be equal at that point if not mm-hmm. him looking to her for uh advice there because you really see that Alicia's grown up a lot there you know she's she's a fully fledged member of this 
group and right. she's taking authority and taking power and that's cool um but i do want to know how she's gotten to this sort of deranged end of her tether state that we see her in at this point i agree i think we have so much that we need to learn and discover in between those flashbacks and where we are now. Absolutely. And in a shout out to, I think, Kat in the Facebook group, I've also written that the vultures really do dress like hipster douche canoes. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The douche canoe the comment. douche canoes. So on Seeing that, that in the group. <laughs> no, I think we'll take a wee break. Uh, there's more to come. Please stay with us. threat to untold numbers of citizens the people it kills get up and kill are they slow moving chief yeah they're dead they're all messed up this is a walking dead cast news update okay so news for this week for fear the walking dead we might even have a little sprinkling of the walking dead news as well so first item that we have is from entertainment weekly this comes from an interview with both uh chambliss and goldberg who are the showrunners uh for fear the walking dead so they ask them about uh you know they they've ended the episode with nick being shot killed by cute little charlie why do that to poor nick hasn't he been through enough uh so goldberg starts off he says well one of the hardest things for Andrew and me when we came on as showrunners is that Frank had asked even prior to us coming on to lead the show to pursue other opportunities. So it was really for us crafting an emotional exit for an incredible character that he played. That was something that was just really important to us was how to tell an emotional story for Nick and to send off his character in a fitting way. But with the way that we are playing with time in these first eight episodes, we will be seeing Nick again as we do have multiple timelines. So they kind of confirmed that a little bit for us. So they go on to say, uh, he said, there definitely is more story to tell. We find ourselves in an interesting position as well without giving away too much of what's come to tell. It will, I think, provide really interesting emotional context for the characters going forward as they grieve someone who's been such a part of their lives for the run of the show. When at the same time, we're also seeing that story continue in the other timeline. Mm. Uh, so the interviewer, yeah, I know there's so much so much that can be told Absolutely. that you have all these multiple things that are going on. Um, so the interviewer goes on to ask, he's like, okay, so um, you mentioned Frank wanted to be freed up to do some other work and what have you. So did that present any logistical hurdles in terms of stuff maybe that we haven't seen yet? Uh, Goldberg says, no, there was really no logistical hur- hurdles for us. It was just, as we said, crafting an emotional story for Nick. We should say also that we love working with Frank. We think he's been uh, brought tremendous talent and life to this character over the course of the first three seasons now into the fourth. Uh, we really wanted to honor Nick, send him off in a way that would be emotional, emotional, and memorable and really mean something. I think what people will see as they continue watching, Nick's death is going to have ripples going forward because he did have so many connections to so many different characters. Um, they mention about the blue bonnets mm-hmm. uh, and, and that uh, 
flowers have a pretty deadly history in the franchise. <laughs> and, and you mentioned that earlier, Lucy. So Chambliss says, for us, when we set out to find the flashback story that would accompany the story where he dies, for us, the flowers were really all about him finding peace and finding the thing that Madison taught him to find in the episode. Just the, a little bit of good out in this very difficult world. That's where the, that genesis came from. But then as we were shooting and it really started to think about it, we were, we realized that, oh, wait, there's some history with flowers in The Walking Dead. Um, so they didn't get it at first. It took them a while. Oh, that's bless for sure. them. Oh, yeah. mate. This is what I mean. The Walking Dead ruins minds. We sit here and our immediate thought is flowers. Oh, God, someone's going to die. It's, no, yeah. don't look at the flowers. Don't yeah, that's that. certainly ever since that episode aired in the Grove in The Walking Dead, that has been a continuation. And that was a couple seasons ago. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, that's still a thing is talking about don't don't look at the flowers. I mean, God, The Grove must have been season four. Now that I think I, about it. Yeah. I think it was because it was before Alexandria, right? They were on their way to Alexandria. <laughs> that is an episode that still had, yeah, it's clearly lingered for obvious reasons. Uh, clearly, it was definitely some strong things that happened in that episode, that's for sure, and some strong opinions came out of that. Um, so they go on to say, you know, we wanted to surprise the audience, uh, but to do it in a way that felt emotional and still got Nick to a place where he was at least receptive to a more peaceful way of life. We didn't want to send Nick off in a place where he was not at peace. That is very much what we think we accomplished in those final moments, even though he died in a very violent way. The cut to the memory he has of Madison showing him that field and Nick lying down in it, we like to think at least give him a momentary bit of peace as he died. So I think that's really lovely. Um and I think that he went out in a in a tragic way, but I think they did honor his character, so I think that was lovely. I think compared to some of the things we've seen in season eight of The Walking Dead, it's particularly nice to see that an actor has been able to leave the show and have that kind of nice closure rather than feeling a bit disenfranchised by it all. Yeah, mm. I agree. <laughs> so a couple of interesting trivia facts that I found from Undead Walking. Now, this is for in reference to last week's episode, Another Day in the Diamond, a few interesting facts that I thought was interesting. The episode's use of the before screen, while it has been seen a few times in The Walking Dead, is the first time that they've used it in fear. Um, I think that's why they that's when they kind of established that we were talking earlier about the coloration differences yeah. of the present versus the the past timeline mm -hmm. and they've they've let us that like okay here's now here's before now they don't do that anymore they're they're just letting that difference in i think the tone of the colors uh the vibrancy of the past and then maybe the, a little bit more of the starkness of of the present uh kind of doing that for us but mm -hmm. i thought that was interesting um while driving into the parking lot of the ballpark, Nick has a brief flashback to the dam. This is the first flashback within a flashback in either Walking Dead show. Mm, that was cool. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I was like, oh, see, this is what I love about the show. They're they're kind of being a little bit more brown, groundbreaking and doing some interesting things and taking some chances and doing things that we haven't seen before. And that's what makes this show great. I love that people are really kind of coming back to the show or maybe revisiting it after having only watched the first season or two. So sure. Um, and then another interesting fact, Mel, who he's the leader of the vultures, uh, he calls the infected the fallen. This is the ninth unique term for the dead in Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, okay. That's a good competition question. What are the, so you got the fallen, the infected, walkers, 
Lucy's doing really well. I, I'm this is so far. I'm never going. You're you're remembering more than me. I've had too much wine. Is that so. what John called them? <laughs> the past. Uh, I don't remember. I drink too much. Yeah. <laughs> so my memory is shot. I'm kind of. I'm like. I, I've reached the extent of it now. I'm like. That's my four. I don't like. Well, yeah. And that's so. Cool. Kudos to you. Because I don't remember hardly any of them. The Fallen. If I hear them again, it sounds familiar. But uh, to just remember them. That would be cool, though, just to look them up. We need to be keeping, like, a spreadsheet or something yeah, of all of I those. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, because I'm, that would be five more. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Okay, so The Fallen. And, okay, good fact. I like that. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so now we have some Walking Dead news. Because I know that people are still, you know, we just said goodbye to The Walking Dead during its hiatus until we're ready for season nine. So a little bit of Walking Dead news. This is from Variety. Um, Some folks may have already seen this, but I'm going to make sure in case you haven't already seen it, that The Walking Dead star Lauren Cohan is coming back. Yay! Yay for season nine. So she is returning for the show's upcoming ninth season she says at an interview with entertainment weekly at CinemaCon that happened last week she says i'm going back there's a lot more maggie story to tell so if you didn't already know um there was a little bit of a of a uh, discrepancy going on with her contract they she hadn't yet signed a new contract and it's been in question for some time uh, she is still currently booked in that lead role of the ABC drama pilot Whiskey Cavalier mm-hmm. that we heard about earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, though whether or not that show will get picked up to series is uncertain. Um, so, but good news. That's so uh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so happy. Uh, there's yeah, there's which, too much Maggie to not have her back. It's just, it's not right. They are doing the right thing. Absolutely. Right. And I think where we left off with the, the finale, I mean, what are they going to do? Right. You have to have Maggie I, come back based on what you saw. I wonder if she hadn't been coming back, if they would have cut that scene. Do you know what I mean? I just wonder if that's right. something that they would have been like, mm, if she's not coming back, then we don't, you know, we won't set that up. But I'm so happy that she is. And also happy that Lauren Cohen's got pay parity with the men on the show. I think that's really important that she stood up for that. Mm-hmm. So good on you, girl, as I'm sure you are an avid listener. But yeah, great news. Good news. Yeah, that was great to hear. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, congrats to Lauren Cohan for getting what you want, girl, and fighting for it. Yep. Next item is from CBR.com. So this was an interview with David Morrissey, and he kind of talks a little bit about how he'd love to return for a governor miniseries. Thought this was really interesting. He says he was a character that I felt had great depth and complexity, not just a cardboard baddie, he tells The Guardian. Um, he says a lot of my inspiration for the role came from the books mm-hmm. written by Robert Kirkman and Jay Bonansinga. I think these books are fantastic, and I think it would be wonderful to do a mini miniseries of them. So given that Kirkman and Bonansinga wrote a trilogy of um, based on the governor, there is more than enough source material for Morrissey to play the a tyrannical leader of Woodbury all over again. That being said, the idea seems to be nothing more than the aspirations of Morrissey himself. Yeah. He says, I would love to play the role again. However, there are no plans to do it, not to my knowledge anyway. Oh. But, he's, you know, um, who knows? He's quite a nerd, actually, and I love it. Um, he, We saw yeah. recently in the UK, we screen national theatre performances live occasionally and they did uh, Shakespeare played Julius Caesar and Morrissey played Mark Antony and he was fantastic in it and shortly oh, after wonderful. that 
if anyone out there has read *The City in the City* by China Mayville, it's uh, it was it won a I think it might have won the Booker Prize or a similar prize a few years ago. It's an amazing sort of it's almost like Blade Runner style futuristic noir dystopian thing. Um, the BBC just ad- the BBC just adapted that uh, four part series, and David Morrissey plays the main character. And in all the interviews, he talks a lot about having read the books and how much he enjoyed them. So he seems to be someone who really goes off and geeks out about the things that he's doing, which I find really endearing, particularly for a character like the governor who has all this amazing backstory. Right. Yeah, I agree. I I really enjoy David Morrissey. I think he's a great actor, and I think he's a really great person. He's a lot of fun at the conventions. If you've ever been to a Walker Starker con oh, yeah. or any of the cons that he goes to, he's he's really a lot of fun. He really engages with the fans, and he's got a really great attitude. So I love that. Oh, me too. That's interesting. That's really nice that he's uh, thinking about that for the governor as well, though. It'd be interesting to yeah. see. Maybe a couple of specials or something, you know? You know, they're talking, you know, this whole Walking Dead universe and these other, you know, Walking Dead stories, they feel that they have to tell it wouldn't be if they can, you know, and I know a lot of people have feelings and I have feelings about it, too, when there were the governor centric episodes from the Walking Dead Mm -hmm. that were not some of the people's favorites. But I think if they were able to do something really great with it, as far as, um, you know, what some of the like they said, the source material that they have, you know, for for the books that already exist, you know, uh, why not? Absolutely. you can you can put some spin on that and do something really great with it. And David Morrissey would be fantastic. For sure. Last little article that we have is from Entertainment Weekly. And this is Denai Guerrera. If you don't already know, she was in the most recent um, Avengers, <laughs> which I am not going to talk about because you know, I'm it. not doing... Oh my goodness. I hope you go see it very, very soon when you have the first opportunity because it is amazing. We're hoping and, uh, tomorrow, I, so fingers crossed. That'd be great. Well, definitely join in the group and let us know what you thought about it. Oh, Many of I'd us have to. seen it and um, that'd be great. But she was on the Ellen DeGeneres show and she was just kind of talking a little bit about it and she couldn't say a whole lot. This was prior to the film's release, so she wasn't really talking too much about it and giving out too many things. But apparently there was a rumor floating around and uh, about an all-female outing for and all-female Avengers. <gasps> right. Ooh. So this is what she has to say. She says, I think it's a rumor, but the cool thing is is that it's showing that there is this hunger for that type of thing. I know that the awesome Brie Larson is filming Captain Marvel as we speak, so these things are starting to happen, and I think it's really exciting because it shows that, yeah, of course, it's time we start seeing that perspective of the story come exclusively for women. Mm-hmm. And what began this rumor was back in November when Guardians of the Galaxy star Karen Gillan shared a picture on social media of Marvel Studios' 10-year anniversary shoot, which brought together um, Tessa Thompson, Zoe Zaldana, Palm Clementif, I'm going to mispronounce so many of these names, I apologize, Scarlett Johansson, Evangeline Lilly, Larson, and uh, of course, Denai Guerrero, and they, um, of course, this you know, this was posted and everybody's like, why do we not have all of these women in this film? Um, they did take this suggestion, uh, I guess Brie Larson and Karen Gillan and the whole group took this idea to Marvel Studios chief Kevin uh, Feig, who liked the idea. Oh, wow. He says, he says it's an embarrassment of riches. Even watching the audience at the Black Panther premiere respond to Lapita, Letitia, and certainly deny in their action sequences. Ugh. He said, of course, you can make a whole movie about that. So Guerrero says magic happens when women do their thing. So we'll keep on hoping for now. <gasps> so she's nothing a- in the works. Ugh. but She's an absolute queen. I love her. She's so oh fantastic. 
she she's amazing and she was so great and um, i think you'll really enjoy her in avengers as well it was really great and um but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I thought, it, what a perfect time, and how awesome would that be to have like an all Avengers uh, female cast? So, well, I was a big fan of the Ghostbusters remake. I know it was a mixed reception, so I mm-hmm. support. I support trying. You know why not? People say why. I say why not. Right. You know, it's not like all the all male um, casting always does so great when you put it out there. So you can't really say, oh, well, you know, look, the females can't get it together. You still have to try and not everything is going to be perfect um, because nothing ever is. But yeah, you still have to applaud them for trying something. Absolutely. Yep. So that's it for the news. Woo! Now moving on to listener moans, groans, and grunts. Friends. I, would you like to start us off, Rima? Sure. So the first one that we have is from Paik Allen. Hi, Paik. Yay, Paik. Um, yay, Paik. He says, fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I think he got that from somewhere else, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, he says, okay, got that out of my system. I was in shock, started to deal with it, and then started crying. Nick was my favorite character. That was out of nowhere. The rest of the episode was really good, too. I enjoyed it, but that overshadowed it all, unfortunately. Glad I'll have the podcast to revisit and break down the rest of the episode. Oh, pink, buddy. We feel your pain, buddy. Megan Dively-Layman says, Holy shit. What a shock. I was like, wow. That's pretty ridiculous that she hit him center mass and he's obviously not going to die somehow. Then he started gurgling blood and I realized they were actually doing it. Then I thought it was maybe a fantasy sequence for a minute. Nope. One thing I'm now sure of, Madison isn't dead because they've got to give her a scene to react to this. Ah, see, Rima? Mm-hmm. Uh, you were right. Megan says, R.I.P. Junkie Depp. And she has some emojis <laughs> here. We've got crying emoji, head explosion emoji, zombie, flower with rose petal falling off, cactus, pill, syringe, cigarette, hammer, gun which is basically an episode summary so well done megan that's some great emoji use there (laughs) the greatest summary we could have just posted these emojis and that would be great junkie deb great great junkie deb yeah i've heard that comparison Mm. good good feedback thanks um next one is from jillian moreau hi jill she says it's been 14 plus hours since i watched the episode and i'm still just as shocked as when i saw it this is probably one of the first times i've ever been this completely shocked by a death on either of these shows and i actually teared up when it happened damn you charlie Mm. i still have a feeling madison is dead why else would nick be so incredibly set on vengeance but if that is in fact true they are really just wiping out the old cast at an alarming pace great episode can't wait to see more and i'm thankful that the way they keep bouncing around in before and now means i'm sure we'll see more of nick throughout the season amen to that (laughs) Mm -hmm. brad samantha brown says is it just me or is everyone morgan gives that book to doomed brad it's not just you I didn't think of it in that in those terms, but yeah, I think you're right. Oh damn. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm not going to go read that book. Yeah, <laughs> avoid book that of book peace like I, or whatever yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna steer clear of that. Um Alicia Stout says, just look at the flowers. <gasps> Alicia, no. <laughs> Do not resist. Mofevo says, I realize why the past is bright and current time is grainy, but it has me wondering what will need to happen to get to make things brighter. Will it be progressive? 
Maybe because I'm liking the present and want more colour. Plus, do we think there is significant to what is coloured? Or was it just blues this week? The flowers, the Camino? Interesting question, hmm. Movevo. Well, you, you made a really good point about that earlier, talking about the blues, uh, the Camino, the, oh, Camino, shoot. the, the yeah. flowers, and Madison's jacket that was blue and how she kind of faded into the colour of the flowers mm. a little bit. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Very good. Got, it. Right. got some others picking up on that. I like it. Mm-hmm. Next one is from Shane Yap. I really dislike how comic booky season four is turning out to be. I really enjoyed everything about season three. The ranch, the dam, the trading post, the character development, the different cultures of the Mexicans and the natives, and had high hopes for this Lost-esque storytelling. I feel like they're juggling too much now with the present day, the past, and whatever they haven't shown during the time skip. With the ending of this episode, I almost don't care what happened to that character during the time skip when they've alluded to something traumatizing happening. Season three was amazing. Season four is biting off more than it can chew. Ooh. Shane? Interesting. Yeah. I... For me, it hangs on the next episode. If they start answering some stuff next episode, that would be good. Because I think if they ask more questions than they answer consistently... They're going to lose mm-hmm. us. So I think you do make a fair point there. Fair point, but hang in there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you should. Um, Larry Blake says, This show has just surpassed The Walking Dead by leaps and bounds compared to the last few seasons. Gritty, surprising, deep. The Walking Dead hasn't had this kind of boldness in years. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. Yeah. Reluctantly. Mm-hmm. Um. Sarah Larkin says, I thought the episode was a bit boring, but I am shocked that Nick was killed off. It was brave of the showrunner to kill him off. It shows that no character is safe. I know Jason will be disappointed that Nick was killed off. I think he will. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, he's off this week. Maybe he's just grieving. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. See, that's what it was. He's not sick. He's grieving over. He's taking some personal time to adjust to what has happened. (laughs) Um co-convener of the John Dory fan club Lara Willie Swink says wow I am sincerely heartbroken over this episode I haven't been this shocked and saddened since the red wedding I was enjoying this episode well enough and feeling like it was becoming a setup episode and then that ending Alicia crying over Nick's dying body took me all the way back to season one as she tries to save him from overdosing and I'll admit there were some tears the only thing that I love, sorry, the one thing that I love about this show is its unexpectedness. They don't telegraph deaths, and characters often will not make the decisions you expect. After his chat with Morgan, I completely did not expect Nick to give in to his vengeance, and then I completely didn't expect him to pay for it. And as much as I love this show for confounding our expectations, this is a bombshell that's going to be really hard to get over. Frank Delane is such an exceptional actor, and Nick was the heart of. The heart of the show. Sad face. Mm. Agree. Agreed. Good feedback, Laura, as always. Uh, Rick Montalvan says, This episode was so well done. The music was beautiful yet sad. Didn't see it coming. This show is something special right now. Chris Deluvio says, Not happy at all. Nick was my favourite character out of both shows. Angry emoji. Mm. I think we're probably going to get a lot of that. I know he was a fan favourite. Yep. Shane Perrier says, and with that, the rest of the Baratheon line <laughs> is gone, along with the Reddits and Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shane, that's great. I love it. Yeah, RIP. That was really good. I never, I never read these ahead of time, so that way I can have a genuine reaction. <laughs> 
<laughs> on the plus side, the little book of peace may now be a horcrux, so you never know. <laughs> ooh, ooh, very good tie-in, Lucy. <laughs> um, emails from Rachel Teal. Well, that was unexpected. I have not been so devastated by a character death since Beth. I was straight up ugly crying for 20 minutes while yelling, What the fuck? What the fuck? You've got to be fucking kidding me! Over and over again. First Troy, now this. I read that Frank asked to leave the show, but that doesn't make it hurt less. What is fear without Nick? I know we're supposed to be all, oh, good for him and his career, blah, 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 but fuck that. I can't. Not yet. (laughs) They did a great job at making me love the Morgan-Nick dynamic in the few short scenes they had together. I even teared up when Nick asked Morgan if he liked peanut butter. Way to make my world come crashing down 20 minutes later, guys. I know I'm being dramatic, but holy shit. Nothing else seems to matter about the episode, but I did love Al being so deliberate with her gunshots, picking off the zombies around Alicia one by one. Such a refreshing change of pace from what we often see on The Walking Dead. And Luciana is still boring. I can't believe I have to deal with her alone now without Nick to balance out her ridiculously flat character. That's all. I'm going to go curl up in the fetal position and cry some more. Oh, Really good email, Rachel. I think a lot of us are with you. Yeah, she captures it really well there. (laughs) Yeah, she really does. Uh, Next email is from, is it Gemma or Gemma? I never know how to pronounce this, so I apologize from uh, Gemma Hall. I'm just going to go with that that one, and I apologize if that's wrong. Usually Gemma, I think. (laughs) Okay, perfect. She says, no, (laughs) I refuse to believe this. No, no, no. I'm devastated. Nick has always been my favorite fear character, and I mostly stuck with season one and two because of him. I do understand that Frank Delane might want to do other things, but ah, this show really has no problem killing off its main characters, does it? And the fact Charlie was the one to do it? How heartbreaking. I'm in total shock. And just when Morgan was going to teach him Aikido. Otherwise, great episode. Sobbing. She is sobbing, folks. I know. That's tough. But you know what's really, and it's not like great about the episode because we we hate to say goodbye to some of our favorite characters, but the fact that this just kind of tells you what kind of show it is that it generates this kind of response from people that they're so passionate about it. So that tells you something. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, We have one call from Emily Reeves. Somebody call the red woman. Bloody hell. That was my favorite character. Rage quit. Not really, but I want to. <laughs> oh, Emily. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, don't don't rage quit. Stick with it. Yeah, it, it, it'll get better, hopefully. Or, you know, it won't, but we'll all be in it together. And that's what's important. Right. <laughs> we're going to all hold each other and hold hands. We're going to get get through it just like we have everything else between the walking dead and fear the things that have happened we're gonna we're gonna be able to come back out the other side absolutely we're gonna be able to find the good and find the armadillos (laughs) that's right we're all gonna go look for those armadillos (laughs) find your armadillo (laughs) that's right i love that Well, all right. That's our show. Episode 307. Thanks for listening, everyone. Rima, it's been great having you. Um, I've had such a good time. Please do come back again because it's been an absolute blast. 
I had so much fun this week. I hate that Jason missed out on this episode, but I was happy to jump in and have an opportunity to discuss not just so far what we've seen of fear, but um, this episode that was a really big episode. And of course, to chat with you, Lucy, you are just the loveliest person ever. So thank you so much. Rima, the same to you. Absolutely. No, you are 100% adorable. And it was amazing to finally get to a chat with you and b podcast with you for the listeners out there who maybe don't listen to other podcast shows where else can we find you on the network well you'll find uh me and my co-host sean we do the podcast strange indeed which is a stranger things centric podcast but we do podcast on other shows as well like black mirror and altered carbon and uh, we are starting lost in space the the reboot that is uh, new on netflix so yeah we're, we're starting that this week so yeah check us out if you're a fan of stranger things black mirror um we'd love to hear from you that's amazing that's enough to make me want to start watching stranger things which i've just missed the boat on i need to get back in and actually watch it because i know i'll enjoy it i just haven't had the you're busy you are so busy and stretched thin but i would love love (laughs) once you start i would love to get some of your feedback because i know that you would have some very interesting insight on that show oh fingers crossed i am it does look like something i would really enjoy so i think the first season's only eight episodes isn't it yeah first uh season is eight episodes second season was only nine they did add one which was good but um but yeah it's it's a a good short bingeable show it's like it's it's like the first season's like an eight-hour movie you could totally just if you have the time and the capacity to do to do that to binge it um because it, it does go together like a movie so yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking i'm planning a binge here um well once again rima thank you so much and hopefully we'll get to speak to you again on this podcast i would love to thank you um if you'd like to call us you can call us at 650-485-DEAD that's 650-485-3323 you can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Next episode of Fear is season four, episode four, Buried. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get bit, bit, Heather McKim. I don't know, I don't know. I feel strange. We're spinning off the planet. We don't know where we're going. That's the thing. I never knew where I was going. It's like I've been living this for a long time. And now everyone is catching up with me. Strange.